Hey guys, welcome back to uh, another edition of the Illuminati Podcast, proudly presented by Homefield Apparel. Guys, make sure you go check out homefieldapparel.com. They recently released Cincinnati gear, some really cool uh, Cincinnati Bearcat stuff. Um, from what I saw, there was no Zach Caleros items, so I think we're safe in that regard. Um, and I believe on Saturday, they're going to be releasing Gonzaga, which... I mean, come on. That's some that's some pretty awesome uh, gear coming up for home field apparel. And, you know, again, first time buyers with the with the code daily stampede, get 15 percent off your first order site wide. And Seth, you saw Seth. He's where he's sporting some home field apparel right now. Mm -hmm. They've got six various USF shirts to choose from. Steve, you're wearing a uh, Colorado School of Mines uh, sweater. I mean, we are just home field out for you guys. Make sure you check them out again. Daily Stampede, the promo code Daily Stampede for, for first time buyers, you get 15% off your order site wide. So make sure you check them out. And guys, we've got a we've got a pretty jam-packed show for it being a you know in the you know late January, you know, a couple what a week or two before uh you know, late signing day, whatever you want to call it. I think a week, exactly a week from today. Exactly a week from today. How about that? What, February 2nd, 1st? 2nd or 3rd or something. It's preferred walk-on day is basically what it is for USF this year. Hmm. Fair enough. And we'll uh, we'll get into, uh, you know, all, all things football because that's – you know what? What you guys uh, come for, but there's still there's still a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of stuff, so let's just kind of jump into. It. Actually, before we jump into it, how are you guys doing? It's been a little bit since we last spoke. Seth, how are you? I'm doing well. Yeah, I'm. Uh, um, New Year's resolution was to gain 20 pounds, so it's going great. <laughs> are we halfway there? Quarter there? What? What are we? What are we at now? Slow but steady. Um, yeah. I think we're going to hit hit our stride around the Super Bowl. Okay, probably, and then yeah, for we'll sure, see, we'll see from there. You know, yeah, you get one percent better each day. You know, there you go. And uh, Steve, you uh, you moved into a house, man. Yeah, uh, we moved into a a nice little Florida bungalow up here in. Uh, well, I'm not going to say where I'm at. Actually, that's bad. That's a bad idea. Um, but a nice little bungalow, um, moved in What's on Saturday. Full address? <laughs> yeah. Full address. I got my social right behind me too. And what, um, what is your mother's maiden name and the name <laughs> of your first pet? If you could also and the, the street I grew up on. <laughs> um, yeah, I moved in on Saturday. Uh, Sunday we woke up to no hot water. Uh, finally got that fixed today. So I took the longest, hottest shower I possibly could today. You know, it couldn't have come at a uh, a worse or better time, but luckily got that fixed in the in the nick time and uh, head out to uh, California tomorrow. So the the honeymoon phase of the house is already over. Mm. <laughs> Daniel, <laughs> North of Kennedy, we're we're good as, as a proper man should. We as don't uh, man should. We don't discriminate around here, but. We don't go south of Kennedy. Not allowed. Never, never, never. What's uh, what's been what's been new with you, Nate? What's uh, what's going on in the world of uh, of Nathan Bond of the Daily Stampede? Man, um, two having two kids is tough, man. I'll tell you what, Seth. I don't know how you do it, brother. 
I don't do much. <laughs> it, it is tough. I will say that we've kind of got down our uh, bath, bedtime, like dishes routine. So instead of like finishing up all the chores at like 1030, it's more like 830 now. So like we have all this free activity and <laughs> Smith and I for the last like three weeks to a month have been like, we're forgetting something. Have we forgotten a kid? Is there something we're not doing? But every single day, it's the same thing. It's awesome. Uh, really kind of getting down into a routine has been really nice. Uh, you know, frees me up to play some uh, some Xbox, I'll be honest. Uh, so there's that. Um, so, yeah, that's that's really what I've been doing, man. I just kind of doing my best to survive with two kids. And uh, I will say Samantha's at the gym right now. Uh, so I'm kind of doing this and making sure the kids are okay. And I think you may be able to hear uh, Brody kind of waking up and stirring right now. So I may have to jump in one second uh, to make sure he's uh, fine. Cause if he wakes up Olivia, then I got to restart the entire process, but let's just, let's jump into it before I got to before I got to go. Uh, first things first, let's uh, let's jump into men's basketball. All right, and that was your uh, men's basketball update. Let's uh, let's move on to women's basketball, uh, where they're actually tied uh, 50-50 uh, at the end of the third quarter at SMU. Um, they've been kind of dealing with some COVID and injury stuff over the last few weeks. That it's been pretty disjointed, uh, to say the least. They they beat Temple uh, on Saturday. Saturday, yeah, I was there. Um, yeah, took them to overtime. Uh, but they came away with the win. Uh, Elena Tesnecki, uh, player of the week. Uh, she was also named like the starting the NCAA start women's basketball starting five for the week. Um, she averaged 27 and a half points, uh, dropped a 30 piece earlier in the week last week, and then uh, had 25 uh, versus Temple. I think she finished 10 of 12 from the line um, on Saturday. I think she was eight for eight from the free throw line in overtime, really kind of helped ice uh, ice the game away for the Bulls. Um, Dulce uh, has 19 points tonight already, uh, seven rebounds. Betty has 12 and eight. Uh, and Elena, pretty quiet night so far, only six points, four rebounds. Um, but, I mean, this team's kind of been battling through it. So the fact that they're even uh, you know, getting through it has been pretty impressive. They've played – like 12 people already tonight. Um, I think they'll figure it out. I think we're finding out that the conference is a lot better than it probably has been. I think the, the floors race a little bit higher uh, than in previous seasons. And I think they're, they're finding that out and they're definitely getting everyone's best shot. That's for sure. And you know, SM, SMU is no slouch. I mean, they're what four no in the conference for a reason um, after a pretty tough start, they've kind of figured it out and, We'll see what, what goes on. I know they've dealt with some COVID issues, so it's good to see them back on the floor. Um, and then USF comes home and then goes right back to Texas uh, this weekend to face Houston. Um, whoever scheduled that is rude, to say the least. Um, but, you know, such is life, man. Um, next on the docket, before we get into the football stuff, We've got tennis. Tennis? Yeah. Spring of Rings is back, baby. 
Let's go. Let's go. We've got men's tennis. Uh, so they start this Friday, the 28th, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, 28th. Uh, they host uh, Georgia Southern, Georgia State. Which one's in Atlanta? Georgia State. State. So they, they play uh, Georgia State. And then they, they'll face uh, Virginia Tech and uh, UGA in Athens at the ITA Invitational um, on the 30th and 31st. Oh, I so forgot that's about kinda, that. Yeah, so that's, that's going to kind of – that's a on, doozy. Sorry. Yeah, they – I completely forgot. So the ITA basically, like, allows teams to, like – if you're the top, top seed in your region, you can basically schedule who you want to start if you're like one of the top eight schools and uh, yeah, that sucks. <laughs> George is like, yeah, we'll, we'll play USF. Not fun. Yep. Uh, and then the, so their first home like contest is February 5th uh, where they'll, they'll host uh, FAU, UNF and uh, Texas A&M. And then on the women's side, they've already started. They're one and one. Uh, they swept FAMU. Um, oh man. Oh dear! I think Brody's awake, guys. So they uh, real quick, and then uh, we'll don't we'll, risk uh, it. Just run. Yeah. Oh my god! I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go. You guys keep talking. Don't risk it. It's not worth it. Uh, I'll finish what Nate was <laughs> was talking about. Um, so uh, women's tennis. <laughs> great, great podcasting tonight. Uh, women's tennis uh, swept Florida A and M. Looked real good. Uh, then proceeded to uh, get scheduled against number 20 University of Florida, um, where we got swept uh, seven nothing. Uh, obviously, you know, top 20 team, uh, pretty good showing against the top 20 team. I uh, believe they won the they won a doubles point, almost had it in the second doubles point, but uh, ended up losing it right there at the end. And then uh, put could have put a good showing together during the uh, singles portion, but you know. We're not we're not gonna be taking down any gladiators anytime soon in that uh that tennis program. Um let me pull up when their uh, next game is because Nate left me kind of high and dry here. Um Seth. Yes. What is your favorite thing about tennis? Love volleying, love uh playing at the net, you know. Right. You gotta you got a big charge. front court you gotta, guy. You gotta charge the net. Always you charge don't, the you net. You don't just sit back there. And, and and just you know exchange forehands and backhands. Right. Yeah. You you just you got to go for it. it. You got to hit the nets. And just crush it. Who's your favorite so, tennis player of all time? Um, my favorite tennis player of all time is I was gonna say Novak Djokovic, but now I just I was gonna kill a joke and then it just wasn't gonna work. Um, I'm a big fan of uh I, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. He's that Australian guy that's an absolute dickhead to everyone, but has sometimes has those funny moments on the tour. Um me, he's, uh, for me personally, I have to go Andre Agassi when I thought his hair was real. And then once I find out that was a lie, you gotta then you gotta go to Pete Sampras, like the next hairiest dude in tennis. His was actually, more like chest hair, but my yeah, uh I, I feel like I can pull off kind of the eighties or not the eight, probably like the eight early late seventies, early eighties tennis look right now. I feel like I, I can get that going for me at some point in my life. You got a little McEnroe in you. Yeah. Like yellow just people. a little bit. <laughs> just start screaming at people from the, after charging the net, you got to scream at them. That's the, that's the whole point. But I'm a, yeah, I'm, so, a Bjorn, I'm a Bjorn Borg myself. I'm just <laughs> 50, 50 pulse, baby. 
Hell yeah. So they uh, get elevated. <laughs> women's tennis heads up to uh, they head to Memphis for what seems to be a, a regional tournament. Uh, I I don't know why this is scheduled the way it is, but they play Xavier on Saturday, uh, and then they play at Memphis um, on Sunday that after, and they just kind of randomly schedule these conference games, and then there's no rhyme or reason to it, but you know they'll play there. Um, Got a got a pretty loaded schedule. Looks like looks like your typical regional matchups. Then your random, hey, let's let's play Xavier kind of kind of game. So now that Nate's back, what do we got hey guys, next? What I miss? Uh, talking about our fit. Oh, there we go. Next next Halloween stick. That good lord, I have that hairline going right now. <laughs> That's scary. <laughs> that good lord. Uh, we were just talking about our favorite tennis players of all time. Nate, anyone come to mind? Uh, Federer, he's pretty good. Uh, I, I like the classics, baby. Federer, Serena Williams. You know, I'm not, I'm not fancy. I like winners. You're so, you're so, and you choose this program to cover. That's right. <laughs> I mean, that's really what it is. Um, yeah. So I, I heard you kind of talk about their their upcoming schedule, and they did go one and one. Uh, they beat FAMU. They swept them seven nothing, and then yep. uh, got swept by UF seven nothing. But uh, tale of two uh, two kind of different seven nothings because uh, they competed against Florida, and Florida is one of the top tennis programs in the country. I mean, since they've started playing tennis, they've won more SEC titles than literally any other SEC school. Um, I think they have like 29 SEC titles, uh, seven national championships, like like pretty dynastic from from the Florida Gators uh, women's tennis team. So it was a good fight, um, kind of going point by point uh, w- with the Bulls there. I will say, uh, women's tennis does needs to have a, a, a they need to have a good season. I know, uh, you know, Christina Moros. She got extended, but it seems like every every coach got extended. Um, but they need to have a good season. The last two years uh, coming into this year, they haven't they haven't won. Uh, they've won thirteen combined matches or you know games, whatever you want to call them, um, in the last two years, and that matches their previous total from three years ago. So they they need to kind of turn it around. They were, you know, they were pretty good. I mean, they were kind of neck and neck with men's tennis for a while there on, you know, competing for conference titles. And it hasn't been that way in a few years. And uh, they need to start kind of turn it around pretty quickly here uh, to kind of get things going. And then uh, the the true reason for Spring of Rings here, uh, men's golf starts up pretty soon. The reigning defending. AAC tournament champions. Uh, they bring back a lot of talent. Steve Bradley doing wonders again. Uh, Alvin Bergstrom also back. He the individual individual uh, title winner, and he uh, kind of cruised to it last year. Uh, they'll open up at the UF Invitational February twelfth and thirteenth, and on the flip side, the women will open at the FAU Paradise Invitational February eighth. Uh, that's another program that's really taken a few steps, you know, forward over the last few years under Erica Brennan, than it had in a good little bit. I mean, 
not without some controversy uh, at women's golf with Tiffany Pratt's, but uh, I think they that's well in the rear view mirror uh, for women's golf. And the, you know, their, their hag is the uprising and it's, it's starting, um, it's starting to be that. And I think they can really compete, maybe not for a conference title this year, but I think they, they'll compete more than they have in the past. And then uh, baseball, your AAC tournament champions, your Gainesville regional champion, your uh, just out of nowhere team, you know, hashtag not last. Uh, they were picked sixth uh, in the preseason by the coaches. They did get one first place vote. So, you know, there's that. Um, they opened with a, like a little mini tournament uh, here in Tampa um, at the USF Stadium with UConn, Louisville, and Charlotte. Uh, February 18th, 19th, and 20th. Um, I mean, it, to be fair, finishing getting picked sixth when you were like under 500 going into the conference tournament, like I get it. Like they went on, they, like they went on an absolute here that really no one expected. They do bring back a lot of talent. They did lose, you know, Riley Hogan, Logan Lyle, uh, Jake Sullivan, Colin Sullivan. So they did lose some leadership, but you still have Drew Brusher who maybe hit the most iconic home run in USF baseball history uh, at Texas um, that, you know, down to their final out pinch hit, like absolute dong piece. Uh, that That's a, I believe that's the technical term uh, in baseball. If, if you guys want to correct me, it was like it, it still could be carrying like that was one of the most majestic homers I've ever seen. One of the most majestic dongs you've ever seen. <laughs> it truly was. It, it truly, truly was. Um, Jack Jaciak was a unanimous uh, first team preseason, all American conference uh, selection. Uh, Drew Brusher and Carmine Lane were also selected to the preseason team and uh, they went heavy. They got a lot of bunch of freshmen and they didn't really go transfer heavy. Um, they, they've got a lot of talent for Billy Mullen and this crew, and he got extended as well. He was also one of the coaches who got extended. Um, I think I think this is shaping up to, you know, health. Health is always the thing, and, you know, pitching is always the thing. You still got a Ryan uh, Kirkering back there. Um, you know, Brad Lord had showed some, showed some signs of life uh, late in the year, uh, especially in the tournament. Um They've they've got some pieces to to really compete, so I'm excited to see what they kind of do, and we're less than a month away, and then then it's go time. I'm excited to see what they can do, uh, and then softball. Ken Erickson just kind of doing what he does. They start February 10th. Uh, they Illinois State, Kansas City, Michigan, Florida, and the USF uh, Rollins Invitational, and then they go to the uh, St. Pete Clearwater Invitational, which is like the huge, like it is the softball, like mega tournament. They're Oklahoma State, Notre Dame. It's at the Eddie Seymour Complex in Clearwater. Uh, USF doesn't leave the Bay Area until March 5th. So they, they've got a lot of time in the Bay Area. Um, I think March 5th at Florida Gulf Coast, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Georgina Corrick's back. I mean, she, she let, I think she had four no hitters. I think she led the country in shutouts, ERA or shutouts. That's what it was. Um, I think she was fourth in strikeouts, uh, fourth in ERA or something like it was something pretty close. She was also named, uh, you know, the top 50 watch list. Uh, I think that was said today. 
uh, on Tuesday or Monday um, as one of the top, you know, potential softball players in the country. Uh, this team will go as far as Georgina go, Georgina Cork goes, and uh, I'm thinking I'm thinking pretty far. Uh, they do they need to find the second pitcher. They that's always been uh, the case uh, with. Uh, while Georgina has been here, they haven't had that second pitcher to really rely on. Hopefully, uh, hopefully they can find that. And, you know, Ken Erickson not having to split his, his mind and his thoughts with team USA can just kind of focus solely on, on USF and uh, kind of getting back, getting back into the swing of things. So hopefully, um, you know, things kind of pan out and, and work out for that guy. Um, I think his contract was also extended uh, in perpetuity for, until he decides to no longer be here. Uh, I mean, he graduated from here, played baseball here, did, I think he coached baseball for a little bit. Um, he's one of those, he's one of the lifers um, for sure. Uh, just a quick update. Uh, women's basketball is up 54, 52 with under five minutes left in the fourth quarter games on ESPN plus. If you guys want to, you know, dual screen, dual screen the game and, and uh, watch us, you know, turn the volume down. Cause those announcers kind of suck tonight. I'll be honest. They were not, <laughs> they were they were not great uh, early on in the first half while while I was prepping. Um, so let's get into it. Let's get into the thing why uh, we pay Seth the big bucks here. Uh, football. Hey, <laughs> hey, Seth. What, what, like Bye. Seth. <laughs> Seth, like we did the bit for men's basketball. You didn't have to do it the entire time. Oh, I was just really dedicated to the. Oh, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Very uh, Norm McDonald of you. That's right. Um, so Travis Trickett official, uh, and he wasted no time doing a thing that we've all wondered why this coaching staff hasn't done. And I think he offered everyone in Miami or pretty close to it. Yeah, it was, uh, you started to see the offers flowing, uh, and, I don't remember Stieg followed us a little bit more closely, but I don't remember seeing that last year. And I think it started before he was even officially announced. You kind of saw some of these. Uh, you kind of he might he might have been on the road uh, already before he was even officially announced. And um, that was one of the big pluses of his hire is his ability down there. And then you saw, um, I think you saw some coaches and some players from down there talk about how well he's going to do recruiting in that South Florida area, or you know, the Miami Dade Broward area. Um, so you're already seeing them offer some pretty, I think I've seen like four star guys that uh, skill position guys being offered down there. It is a different kind of football down there. So it is good to kind of dip your toe into there and, and it's going to be competitive, but there's guys you can grab if you're smart about it. Um, I know Steve, you've been paying pretty close attention to that. What are you seeing kind of in terms of recruiting, especially in that kind of South Florida? Yeah, it's so it it's definitely a refreshing strategy. Um, obviously, this past year was a, an exception to the normal recruiting norm that you would see around the country. Um, they were obviously going to go transfer heavy and and get a lot of quantity and quality that way, rather than going through the high school circuit. Um, and it, it was very apparent, basically, the second after the early signing period that that was not going to be the case for the, this next class of 2023. So, you know, you could probably say they're going to take a few transfers, um, you know, to replace any guy that decides to depart earlier, 
you know, for more immediate needs, but it all depends on how the eligibility waivers and everything are going to go that way. So I think you'll start seeing uh, the staff, you know, pull back into the Bay area and, and really start to refocus back into the high school circuit. And, you know, if anyone has followed me over the past two or three weeks, you know, I've been retweeting anytime I see that a coach, a USF coach is somewhere. Um, I'm doing my damn near best to try to keep up with it. And it is close to impossible at this point uh, because not every, not every coach, not every program or high school coach or program is going to tweet out whenever, you know, a coach comes by or anything, but you know, they, they're hitting the, the major players of, of the state, you know, they're leaving no stone unturned. Um, there's a few schools I was surprised they kind of took a took a quick trip to, but you know they're they're building these bridges literally everywhere and and asking these coaches, hey, do you have a guy? Not necessarily class of 2023, but class of 2024. They sent an offer for a class in 2025. Like, you know, they I, I wouldn't be surprised if they find a guy in 2026 down in Miami just because of the amount of talent down there. But you know, they're they're hitting the Bay Area. Obviously, that's the big key. That's the the stomping grounds i think every coach has like 10 to 13 local schools that they go and visit um i i saw there was a little discourse about one school in particular with jesuit i guarantee usf has been at jesuit it doesn't look like it but i promise you they have been there um but then even outside of that region you know they have the the miami area that trickett is basically cornered down into um the jacksonville Orlando I-4 corridor there. <clears throat> they have like three or four coaches kind of handling that. Lakeland, uh, Polk County, some consider Bay Area. They're kind of their own monster at this point. And then the Panhandle as well. Uh, I think Ernie Sims spent a good uh, good bit of time up in the Panhandle, as he probably should. Um, and then they're also hitting Georgia a little bit. And then they're also um, you know stretching Carolina. up into South Carolina. Yeah. They offered, uh, actually, that was one of the 2025 offers was uh, this kid from Myrtle Beach. Um, was was kind of getting lightly recruited there for a second. USF offered, and then all of a sudden, South Carolina offered. So you can kind of see the the trend that this coaching staff has of, you know, finding this hidden talent and finding these guys that might not be recruited at a, at a major program. And, you know, then all of a sudden, they start getting those bigger offers. So you can only hope that those relationships that have started uh, previously are going to pay its dividends down the road. Yeah. And, and I saw today, Jeff Scott was down at Venice high school, um, which is probably an hour ish from campus. Um, but I mean, I think, I think they just won the state championship this past year. They've a really good program. I know uh, my buddy, Dave Marino at Palmetto, they've got a couple kids that they've offered. Again, that's 30 minutes from campus. And, the previous the person recruiting that area for the previous staff didn't even go down there and they're putting out like D one guys every year. Right. Um, so, so it's nice to see that, you know, a school within 30 minutes of campus is actually having a coach visit. It's uh, probably a good idea to do. And it seems like, like, like Steve said, if you, if you're looking on Twitter, you'll see a coach. I've seen Cam Aiken throw out about 55 offers the last week. It seems like he's everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. You see Bob shoot, um, a little stiff in his pictures, but he's there. <laughs> he's there. <laughs> he looks like a skeleton sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, they, Bob. And, and Bob seems like the guy who, like in the 1800s, who like they thought if someone took their picture, they would also take their soul. He looks so, like, like he's in witness protection. <laughs> <laughs> Every time you take his picture, he's like, oh no. 
He's about to start complaining about the uh, spaghetti sauce. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they, they're everywhere. And it, it's not the assistant coaches that are going ever. It's, I mean, I, I think Jeff Scott has his favorite schools that he likes to go visit, but like him going down to Venice, Venice is like, it's smart. Yeah. It, he's, they're very strategic on where they're going and everything. And by God, coach to Prado is like, they send to Prado like across the country. If they have to they just like that guy, them, and that's all that they, guy that's finds all talent. He finds restaurants too. He does yeah. <laughs> feed him. <laughs> He's uh, like, yeah, I know this yeah, really good kid that I want to look at up in Wisconsin, guys. I got to. <laughs> I it's I th- I think you know when when they first got here, they couldn't go out on the road really, um, with with COVID and everything, and some of those restrictions are kind of pulled back finally to pre, um, you know, pre-COVID levels, and you're seeing those guys get out on the road really aggressively. You're seeing um, a good response to a lot of them. So um, I think that's important. And you're seeing Jeff Scott go into some of the big time programs himself um, and getting a visit from the head coach is always uh, important and kind of shows how uh, crucial you are to the school's plans and things like that. So that is a good sign to see. This is not this is not to seem to be a, a group that's kind of sitting back and just thinking, well, everyone's close to us. We can just get out to them, you know, as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really being proactive, I think. And and then it really looked like they had a really good junior day. Uh, that was last weekend, correct? I know yeah, that right. I know I saw a couple of um, just because, like I said, I follow Coach Marino. He's my buddy. I know I saw a couple of Palmetto guys up there. Looked like they had a good time. A bunch of really good players that looked like were there. This quarterback that they've offered recently, he's uh, from Nice. What's his name? Stokes? Marcus Stokes. Uh, Mark, Marcus Stokes. Yeah, he's a he, he's fan. a guy that if if USF gets – I mean, USF already got the early jump on him. Um, he's, I believe, probably going to be their number one quarterback target going into um, the rest of spring and into the fall here. Um, I'm expecting him to absolutely just blow up um, offer-wise he will be very sought after by almost every school in the Southeast. Yeah, he's really uh, he's very, interesting. Big, like yeah. he's like a six, he's, he's not like super tall. I don't think he's like a six, two, six, three kid. Right. If I'm, mm-hmm. am I correct on that? Like, over yeah, 200 six, pounds. Three, I think. Yeah. yeah. The athletic kid. And what's interesting about him is he kind of throws, if you watch his highlight tape, it's not a ton of just like, there is some of this. I'm not saying this is a bad thing. There's not like, it's not just all hit your last step and throw. There's some where he's moving in the pocket and his feet aren't set because just, you know, the rush. And he's still able to make a bunch of throws like off platform, right? Not not just the traditional hit your back step and throw it in in rhythm. There's rush in his face. He's able to get out, avoid the rush and and kind of make accurate throws on the move, even inside the pocket doing little moves where he's not like totally set. But he's really does a really good job with that and that's something i don't think is really you can rep it a little bit but i think you kind of got some of that stuff mm-hmm. or you don't and mm-hmm. and that coupled with his athleticism he seems like a really just the way he runs the ball and things he's probably a pretty competitive kid yep. um and it's, he's probably going to be a riser but i saw that offer go out and heard some people talk about him and watch his film yeah i really liked him a lot very, I think. very interesting a uh, little nugget about him do you guys know who his first offer was? Ole Miss. I'm going to guess West Virginia. No. 
No, it was Western Carolina. Oh, Western Carolina that's right. Yeah. Kerwin Bell and Cade Bell. Uh, talking, speaking of Miami, like there's the – if you go down there, you can find players. I think they signed like two <laughs> – Western Carolina signed like two or three three-star players from Miami this past cycle. Yeah. You if you if you go down there, there's enough players to go around if you if you go down there. Yeah, Western yeah, Carolina I, had like a better class than like most Division One schools. They had they had <laughs> they signed like four or five three stars, I think. So yeah, get after it. And you know that I think that was kind of the the thing with with Kerwin and and K to a you know a lesser extent when they were there, they were very good at recruiting. Guess who recruited Brian Petit? Guess who loved him? Guess who we had to cut out a piece of audio because he <laughs> said his name during a podcast. Okay, like, like Brian Batie is a dude, and that's who Kerwin and Cade were going after. Um, you know, they wanted Nathaniel Dell and were turned away from bringing in Nathaniel Dell from who is now at Houston, absolutely carving up Auburn. Auburn carving up you carving up literally any school that they play like they were very good talent evaluators I I just want to be clear there that they were good at that part of uh, things how the 2019 season shook out I think it could have it wouldn't have mattered who was calling plays that team was a lost cause yeah they seemed like there was it wasn't just on the field stuff there were other things that were working against uh, that team off the field, it seems yeah. like. And it, and you you kind of hear more about that now that you're further away from it, and they talk about how, I mean, after when Jeff Scott's first year, it was, man, the culture is so much better this year than it was last year. And then this year, it's like, well, the culture wasn't that great last year. <laughs> so yeah. now, it's, now, it's re- now it's much better. So right. how bad was it in 2019? So. Yeah, exactly. And, I, I, you know, you talk to some people, and, you know, Kerwin kind of came in with uh, – we have two years to get this right. And, you know, some of the other people around the program, like, no, 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 no. we got to get this right now or it's not yeah. going to work or we will, we will be out of the job. And I, I think that may have been the disconnect uh, for Kerwin and, and the coaching staff that, you know, he brought in and, you know, Charlie strong ultimately getting fired and moving on um, quick update here. Uh, 46 seconds left. USF is uh, women's basketball is up 60 to 52 in the fourth quarter over SMU. SMU has not scored a point in seven minutes and 51 seconds. That's and, a uh, fucking eternity in women's basketball. <laughs> that is a very, very, very long time. And I, I just want to take a look at the box score real quick for SMU. Uh, they're one for 15 uh, from the field in the fourth quarter. And they've only turned the ball over one time. So they just went ice cold. They just went that literally sucks. ice. Oh, man, hate for, hate that for them. Um, tough stuff. Tough stuff. Back hate to recruiting to for two seconds. Uh, there is. Oh, yeah. Very, I just want to do a quick yeah, update. There is one very interesting uh, uh, tweet that went out the other day. Um, blew up somewhat. But uh, William Fowles uh, is a four-star receiver from uh, Christian down at Miami. Completely unprompted, utters the or tweets the words uh, "green and gold" looking too nice right now, um, and added Coach Trickett. So, if you want to talk about immediate impact kind of thing, uh, getting a four-star receiver out of Miami would be 
uh, very good if we can, you know, not get a Darnell Solomon kind of 2.0 kind of situation. But, you know, I, I think the immediate impact of the recruiting prowess that Trickett has is already being felt. Um, you know, that that's that's a relationship he probably had way back before he got hired at USF. And, you know, now you get a kid like that, a four-star receiver who probably never would have even looked at USF is now talking about USF and just the reverberations that we've seen around, uh, you know, everywhere from the high school uh, players to the coaches, everyone's kind of raving around the guys. So should be fun. Should be fun to follow recruiting this year. Uh, I will say, yeah, they be patient with it again. Um, It doesn't seem like the staff wants these guys to, they'll jump in on these guys early and send out that offer early. Um, But they're, I don't want to say they're saying like, oh yeah, once you commit, you're done kind of situation. But I think the staff wants the players to do the due diligence themselves on this, where, you know, some kids are going to take a little bit of extra time to go visit that extra school or go visit, you know, uh, uh, another program if they, if they want to. And USF is obviously there and staying in communication. So I wouldn't, I would expect USF to start getting some commits probably like they'll probably get like a commit or two in like March. Um, you know, those early guys, those guys are going to beat the drum for the program, the Javon Thomas's um, of the class and everything. I think you're really going to start seeing kids like start committing once that indoor practice facility opens and they can sell the dream more clearly to, to those kids. I'd say probably like June, July, you'll see this class just, explode but it's going to be slow and it's going to look like shit isn't happening shit's happening it's just not always going to be you know a a consistent stream the entire time yeah i I think you know with i think you talked about it on twitter this week kind of how the class is maybe going to shake up i think having a little bit more evaluation period for these guys like they did for last year. They kind of waited and waited and what the last like 37 days, like 20 guys, 20 guys committed. Um, I, I think you may see that a little bit, just getting a little bit more tape, a little bit more information. Um, I think, I think they'll go heavier with high school um, this cycle. Like, like you mentioned, but there's, they're still going to be evaluating, uh, you know, through uh, you know, the, the rest of the year and make sure that they get the right guys. Cause it's not just bringing guys in, it's getting the right people, the right fit. And I think that they, they're big on the culture fit right now. And I think that's why Jeff Scott was a little hesitant on bringing, bringing in the, the Miami guys for reasons that are too many to, to, you know, discuss completely and, and transparently and what have you. I, he hasn't, he didn't want to take risks, especially when he was building culture. You need to have a culture in where you can take in uh, uh, riskier guys who are very, very talented. And that's kind of where, you know, the Quentin flowers of the world, you need to have something built around them uh, to make sure that they have success. And, you know, even up in Jacksonville, it just seems that they were very gun shy uh, about bringing some of the, the, the kids in. I think they, they've built the culture. They've got the, the right people in place just to, to make sure that these, these kids succeed. And I think that's really the ultimate goal for these guys is to have them succeed and put them in the position to win games. Uh, 
I, I yeah, think I'm excited for because, it. I think too because of the COVID restrictions, you really had to lean on prior relationships for a lot of right. stuff because there were classes that uh, last year's freshman class I don't think really ever got to come on campus. They didn't. They didn't have official visits. They didn't have that kind of you know weekend long interaction with with so. Did they didn't seem like the staff had a lot of connections in Miami? You know, did they have a ton of connections in in Jacksonville? I know Jeff Scott's done a really good job recruiting, kind of, you know, the middle of the state really, and done a good job in Tampa, and and it kind of jumps in here and there. But I don't. Maybe he didn't have those relationships, or the staff didn't have those. So, you know, it's you know, you want to kind of have somebody's word you can trust to a coach you can trust to say, no, this is a, this is a kid. He'll come in and play hard for you. That kind of stuff that you can, you, that you know, from experience, this, this guy is not full of it. So that's probably another part of it too, is just you, you, that the inability to have kids on campus and be able to interact with them. And that's why you're seeing a lot of freshmen transfer after one year, this, this year, it's because you're getting a lot of guys that it works both ways, right? The players come on and they're like, all right, I didn't really know this coach that well. That's not quite what I thought it was going to be though. This campus is not as great as it looked in that zoom call. So you're seeing kind of, you're seeing it both ways, but it seems like all that kind of stuff is done now. All those restrictions are gone. So I think you're going to be able to see what, and it certainly seems like this staff, is what they do well, I think, is relationship build and, and kind of they seem to do a pretty good job once they get the kids on campus. And that's so I think that's that you're really maybe going to see that turn up a little bit where they can kind of build these relationships a little bit more, have kids on campus more often, have them at camps in the summer. The sling and shoot stuff is, you know, huge. Right. That's a big event for everybody in the state of Florida. Everybody knows what that is. All high school coaches know what it is. Most teams put some. No, most schools put a team in. That's a nice. That's a nice thing to have in your back pocket. But they they couldn't do that in previous years. I think they could last year, but the year before, I don't think they were able to do it. So that's only going to help, and that that helps build those relationships with earlier classes too. So it's not yeah. just the one that you're recruiting now; it's the ones in the future as well. So I would imagine recruiting will tick up a little bit, but it could take some time. They seem to want the kids to be thorough and understand that once they make their commitment. They'd like for them to kind of. I I think they are a little bit of that Clemson mind where once you commit, we want you to be committed. Like take your time, but once you commit, we don't want you taking other visits. We don't want you doing that other kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think it's a fair mindset to have. Like <laughs> if you're if you can some get people a, if you can get players I, to do that, it's great. Yeah. Some people were like, "Oh, are we going to do the Clemson method of like once you commit, that's it." It's like ideally. It, Oh, yeah, that's like that's an ideal situation. Like you want your I think top guys. To be every honest. every school would love that. Every yes. school, every school would love to. Oh wow, I don't have to. I don't have to worry about this kid jumping. Oh, no. perfect. There's, Let me move no. on. Let me go try to recruit coach. His, another teammate for him. Yeah. That would be like no. We want our guys to go out and visit. We want we want our guys to go visit other schools after they're committed to us. Um, here's a live one. Uh, talking about how thorough this coaching staff is. Um, Keep in mind er, er, the national signing day being a week away. What is it? You know, USF is basically full in this class right now, but they'll still probably take some preferred walk-ons. Um, Jason Hogan, and this one goes out to I believe Alex Rigsby went to Lemon Bay, um, but oh. he's a he's the class twenty twenty two 
uh, running back from Lemon Bay. He kind of has a preferred walk-on uh, spot with USF, but it, it might be one of those situations where it's up to him if he wants to come or if he wants to go to a different school. But um, just tweeted, I just want to thank, I just want to say thank you to Coach DePrado for taking the time to call me. Definitely one of the straight-up best coaches out there. Go Bulls. So the consistent, and it, this was at 9.34 p.m. that he tweeted this, and I'm assuming it didn't happen six or seven hours Hot ago. off the press. So, you know, the coaches being as thorough as they are with these relationships is just, it's so refreshing to see it. Like, it's just, words can't describe how how night and day this this class feels. Um, and we got the big dub in Dallas. Big time dub in Dallas. Uh, women's basketball knocks off SMU. Uh, 62-56. Uh, three, three double-doubles. Aliza Penzan had 10 points and 10 uh, assists. Uh, Betty Menunga had 17 points, 13 rebounds. And Dulce uh, Menjianu, 19 points, 12 rebounds. I'm pretty impressed. I, I, I kind of nailed that. Yeah. I usually have to I use the pronunciation was, guide. That was the toughest, spell, the toughest name to pronounce in USF history, I think. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Elena finished with 10 points as well. Uh, so four four scores in, in double figures, uh, four starters in double figures. Um, yep. So good stuff. I think that brings them into a first place tie in the conference um, with Central Florida, who technically has a tiebreaker. And, oh, man. And they beat, they beat Tulane, so I think they'll move into first place. Um, Jeez, Louise. Tulane. Tulane was up 10 in the middle of the third quarter and uh, lost by two. Um, that's that's just a bad beat. That's just a bad um, beat for everyone all around. Low tide. Credit to where credit's due. Uh, Tulane was up 22 to nine after the first quarter. Mm. Sorry, what was that? They were up. Tw- Tulane was up 22 to nine after the first quarter. That's dog. Yeah. And like, I just, know JP's not like running the show up for the wave anymore, but like, what the hell? Mm. Whatever. It's bad. It's, it's bad beat. Yeah. So uh, Central Florida moves into first. They're in first place at five and one in the conference. USF also five and one in the conference, but. Obviously, currently the tiebreaker goes to Central Florida uh, for their win um, the other day at uh, USF. But, I mean, literally anyone in this conference can beat anyone on any given day. I mean, Cincinnati beat Central Florida the other day. So it's going to be an up and down. It's going to be a nice little battle as we head toward March. And um, I think USF is an eight seed, um, eight, nine line uh, with Charlie Cream at the ESPN Bracketology uh, heading into this week. Uh, I think Central Florida was also one. Uh, SMU may get in. Who knows? Um, but yeah, good stuff. Um, but back to back to the football um, stuff. There's been some guys have kind of transferred transferred out. Uh, Steeg, uh, quick uh, quick kind of update on on you know who's no longer with the program. Who you know spent some time in in the program. 
Right. Um, so the the two immediate ones is Tyrone Barber and Isaiah Cromartie, both transferred out. Uh, neither one of them were on the USF roster when it got updated uh, wherever so long ago it was. Um, so we kind of assumed that they were going to be gone. Uh, let me do my due diligence on this one because I actually didn't check this today. And I've been checking the roster every single day because they update that roster then uh, kids enter the portal. Um, Nicholas Shivati is still on the roster, but is confirmed in the portal. So do with that what you will. Mims is Mims another one. Was he another one that Mims I think is another one? We last spoke. Mims right. has portal. Mims has portaled. Yeah. He has are the, are, the, are these processings happening? Yeah, I mean the kind of the I, I I hate I hate processing, especially in group of five, because I feel like that's like you, you do it at LSU when you have you know five star behind a four star linebacker. You kind of situations right. like but yes. Pass like that. Steve, don't yeah. sugarcoat it. It's absolutely they've they've been processed, like processed out. They, there 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 was some you know what are you doing next year conversations had like let's let's call a spade a spade here, man. I, I get it, I get it, Steve. You you want to? I'll I'll be the bad guy here. They got processed <laughs> out. Thank you. Yeah, they yeah. So I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I think Mims Mims was a grad grad player last year. Anyways, like he has his degree. I think he entered the portal just to see if. Yeah, yeah I, throw the line out. Dude went for from a walk on to a scholarship player. Like, yeah, test the water, see, man. See what happens. I mean, if he can get his school paid for, why not? Yep. And then the only one that is, and I'm again doing my due. Yeah. So, um, still not on the roster. Uh, Jacquez Williams, the gray shirted uh, defensive tackle um, from Savannah. He is at some point going to enroll. Um, I, I don't know if it's academics. I don't know <laughs> if it's at some point he will be on the roster. He is not on the online roster yet, um, but he should be at some point. But yeah, I think that's it. I think those were the only two that are transferred out. Um, I got to say, uh, just kind of in the football realm, but not in the transfer realm. I really like the way they've set up their offseason program. I think it's uh, it's kind of what I you know always preferred to do um, is set up teams and make a lot of do a lot of competition. Um, Dan got it. Uh, Thomas Nance, that was is. the other one. Do you um, think um, does that are they being processed? Since you we're back on that, are they being processed for people coming in? Or they just want to open, have spots open for post spring. You think? Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, to to answer Daniel's question at the same time, I'm not expecting any surprises this week, um, or ne- or this for the next week. Um, they do have spots open for scholarships. Um, I think there might be some kind of under the table thing saying like, Hey, walk on, get a scholarship kind of situation. Um, don't exactly know what's going to happen there. They did offer, or they did have some 2022 kids come to junior day. Um, there were three or four that I noticed. So those might be guys that would sign on early signing day as, you know, 
I, I, I don't know if this is the right term for it, but run on, I think is what they're kind of called. Where PWOs? No, not PWOs, but um, basically like tough it out in the spring uh, and you'll get a scholarship by like the summer if one opens up. Oh, the, what the blue blue shirt or something like that? I think maybe. I think KJ. I think KJ sells or someone like some person was like a it wasn't quite a gray shirt it was like a blue shirt or whatever that like they went through spring but then they were on scholarship in the fall because i asked i asked usf about like the number the number game right because you can only have so many people you know at spring practice you can only, only have so many people during fall camp i think it's like 105 or something like that you can't technically have like a full roster for some reason like you only have a certain amount um so there was some processing there so there could be some wiggle room uh in in that in that regard um but right and there there might be a guy who decides like to basically graduate in the spring and kind of hang up the cleats um, you know, someone that would technically be a grad player, but you know, there, there, there might be a surprise. Um, I know that there's like one or two guys that are interested in coming to USF, um, from the Bay area that might sign next week. Uh, but that's about it really. Um, I don't, I don't think they're going to take any more transfers. I think the guys that they have in right now are, are in, um, and they're going to keep spots open in case, you know, they get a call from someone in the later spring and say like, Hey, we want to, I want to come to USF. I'm not going to, you know, look at any other school. Yeah, there'll be kind more of movement after spring. I think it's, it seems to be the typical kind of process of it now that after spring guys, you know, the coach can be telling you one thing, but after you go through spring practice and you see, okay, I'm third on the depth chart. I didn't get as many reps. Then you jump then they might jump in. Right. I don't know. And the only thing I can't figure out right now is why Jatorian Hansford, our Missouri transfer defensive end, why he has number 28 and three. Um, for, for fun. Maybe. Could be. Maybe he's on a special team with somebody else. We've already got him slotted in. No, it doesn't make very uh, much do you guys want to touch on the Daniel Chapman question? Um, the about the QB room. Can you throw that ball on the screen there, Seth? Yeah. And then Daniel goes on to say, I guess, is there someone who is Trickett's type? I, just, re, with regards to that, you, you go back and kind of watch what he's had before. He's kind of had a mix of different quarterbacks. I don't think he had a guy at Georgia State that ran a little bit more. Um, I think the guys he had at FAU weren't great, but they they were they were kind of a, a mix. And I'm guessing at Samford, especially his last year, they had some guys that were more throwers because he was still there when Hatcher came in. Hatcher's a big air raid guy. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is this Timmy's job? I would assume it would be off the start, but you know, I I, I thought now I think I thought last year that um, Timmy didn't really get better as the season went on. But I don't know that that's his fault. So I, I, I think you'd have to give him the benefit of the doubt as a starter right now just because of all the experience he got last year and, and the flashes he showed, and then hope that with a new quarterback's coach that that really helps him improve. 
and 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 make those strides. And hopefully that was the issue there was um, position coaching. But you know we'll we'll see. I I think in a healthy program and. I don't think you want to really have anything totally locked down. You can have guys out front and getting most of the reps, but. but <laughs> you saw it, Seth? Yeah. You can't, I mean, you can't say it. Do I, I'll say it I for you. I, I don't think I have to say it. I think everyone gets it. <laughs> He's so uh, falling you know, on Twitter. I can't say it. Yeah. No, I, but maybe it wasn't. That might not be the issue. So I, I think you'll have a real, I mean, we'll see. If uh, sure? if it's not much better in the spring, then what's the issue? Do you I, think a Do you think a spring is indicative of coaching? Like, do you think he gets all the bugs out? Because I mean, Elijah Mack was a star in spring. I think you can get better. It's kind of like how does he look? If he's just I mean, look at him last spring, how was he making plays? He was kind of running around. It wasn't like he was making. Um, drop. He he did hit some shots down the field, but a lot of it was right, running, getting out of the pocket, running around, making plays down the field, not totally in the flow of like what was drawn up on the board, right? And that's so. If it's the same thing this spring, then he's not really taking steps forward, right? Now, if you look at him and and he's just sitting back in the pocket, hitting his back foot, getting the ball out because the scheme fits him better, and he's being and he's being coached better. I think you can see that, um, but you know, it's you can't draw everything from spring. But I think there is um, there's some things that can be drawn from that to see if he's improving there. My biggest, the biggest, I thought mark against the position coaching he received last year is you look at the end of the half against SMU and he takes that terrible sack. Knocks him out of field goal range. I think Jeff Scott even said, you know, we'll learn from that. <laughs> you go to the last game of the year when you cannot take a sack against UCF, and you take a sack. Pretty much the same exact situation. Just trying to get points at the end of a half, end of a game. Can't take a sack there. Well, that didn't improve. Um, well, you can take a sack you gotta, there. Well, I mean, you can, then you lose. So that so I, I that was one one thing to me that made me start thinking that maybe it's maybe it's uh maybe it's a coaching issue. But um yeah, I I I think you'll get him out front and then guys behind him, I'm sure if the guys behind him perform better, they'll get more reps and and then maybe you have a real competition. But I would imagine if you're just going off pure like possibilities and pure ceiling. He's probably got the highest ceiling. So right. let's put some time into him and, and see if we can get him to reach that ceiling. Yeah. If not, then. And I, I don't know if we can answer this fully, um, you know, without speculating too, too much. But I mean, what, like, if you had to give it a percentage of these two things, what percentage of Travis Marsh coming back was more the market dictated he wasn't getting a better option and uh, he was, you know, promised or, you know, he was told, hey, you're going to have a legit chance to take the starting job. Like, would it be like 51 to 49? There was either one or was it, you know, more like 70, 30, you have a legit chance of starting here or 70, 30, the options weren't great. I, 
I don't think there's a problem with uh, Jeff Scott and and Trickett sitting down and having a conversation with the QB room and and saying saying to Timmy, hey, you need to get out. You need to go out there and prove it. Any any quarterback, any athlete is going to want to go out there and, and prove that they're the starter going into spring. But then sitting right next to him is Katravis Marsh, and you say to Trey Marsh, you can be like, hey. Is, you you have a chance here because he has to prove it, and if he doesn't prove it, then you prove it. Kind of situation, you know. You're you're kind of pushing them both to you know hopefully compete against each other, you know, pretty fluidly. Uh, but I also do think you know Trace two offers out of the the portal where I think he visited Wofford and Alcorn State, and you know I, I think his his aim is a little higher than that. You know, I think he could have been fantastic at Alcor and I think he could have done really good things at Wofford. I think I don't think they run the triple option anymore, but you no. know. Yeah, I, I think they have a I, I uh, think both Scott GA is their offensive coordinator. Ooh, the 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 world comes full circle at that point. But I yeah, I think um I think both can exist truly that, you know, Trey Marsh is coming back because there might be a competition. Timmy needs to prove himself and you know, establish himself as a starter and try to really get the offers out of, out of the portal that he wanted. Yeah. It's definitely a mix of the two. I, um, I'm sure he was told he would have a, a opportunity to compete and he would probably believe that if he's coming back. Right. Because he, he probably would have gone and you would imagine started at one of those schools, but maybe he feels like he's got a good chance to start here. So he'd rather start here than start, you know, at Wofford. So if if they I'm assuming they offered him that opportunity to compete and that's why he came back. But yeah, it wasn't like I think he understands too that he does not have a lot of tape. Right. And and some of it was not great. And then we've heard we've heard things you're telling about, me his uh his heave uh at Cincinnati two years ago is not the best highlight of him. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, they burnt, I don't think that probably didn't go out on the reel. I would think. Um, so, yeah, I, I I would imagine he 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 feels like he could do better, or maybe he thought he was going to get a little bit more run when he went in the portal and kind of saw what it was. was. Like you know what, I'm better off just trying to compete here. We got a new OC, and um, yeah. And then yeah, Cade Fortin's at Arkansas. I think you. It's not. Uh, it's a walk off. It's a PWO, right? Yeah. yeah so uh, here we go. Uh, USF just, I, I'm constantly refreshing Twitter for offers, and we just offered a get from Yuli. Hopefully, the next Derrick Henry. You have a uh, flashback? Yeah. Oh, that article, that New York Times article about uh, Derrick Henry. First off, very offended I wasn't offered to <laughs> I mean, partake in I, How many friends do you have that played on that team still? Um, from the like from my from my high school yeah um like four or five friends that you know we every year we talk about Derek and we all get together we talk about you know shoot the shit of what's going on in life and everything and then we always bring up us just getting fucking dismantled by Derek Henry because I I might I might want to I think I need to get you guys on on my channel and and we'll do like a 20 minute you guys can tell me all your horror stories I think people I think people would enjoy it oh yeah if you, guys, I, if you could get the huddle, if you get the film too, you guys yeah. can hear it over it. There was, I was, so when he signed in Alabama, I like when he, when ESPN was doing like the whole, you know, signing day ceremonies that they were doing in the past, 
um, they were showing clips of him and I was in one of the clips and that was the clip that I always refer back to is like my freshman year when I realized I wasn't going to make it as a football player was when Derrick Henry stiff armed me like to next millennia. <laughs> like I was some scrawny ass corner who had to come in on a, on a substitution because our other corner uh, broke his helmet. Like his, his fucking face mask broke trying to talk, tackle Derrick Henry. They come in, and I, I promise you, they had four plays at Yulee High School when Derrick Henry was there. It was run to the left, run to the right, run up the middle, and they would pass the ball, but the pass was going to Derrick Henry. Like, there, there was no – it was the Derrick Henry. That's called good coaching. Right. <laughs> and it was Get funny. the ball in your best player's hands at all times. I, he, I it's, remember it's reading so box scores. He had like 45 carries or something. Insane. Yeah. It got it got stupid at some point, but my favorite part was how it evolved from like the coach at, at Yuli. Basically, like they went from you know kind of like a spread uh, style offense to you know a power eye offense with you know pretty much like twelve personnel, and then they went and they full steam ahead went into no receivers, just all blocking. You know they they basically everyone was up on the line, and then they just got rid of their quarterback and they put Derrick Henry. At, at like basically at the fullback position, I uh, had like two upbacks on either side, and it was just literally like, yeah, run the ball, try to stop him. Like it became his senior year film was fucking stupid and funny. So it was like a combination of like the Bugs Bunny like cartoon where he plays all positions, and then also <laughs> like from the Simpsons where Nelson has to throw the pass and also catch the pass. Yes. I mean, the, the, <laughs> the box, I think my favorite box sword, I, I think uh, it was like the fifth straight week that Derek Henry won, like, you know, football player of the week for Jacksonville senior year or something. But he, um, the quarterback that game didn't throw a pass. Like they, they had zero pass attempts. Um, they won like 56 to 51. Because they, you really didn't have a defense either. Um, but they just, it was, it was stupid games to watch. They were, you know, I, I could tell stories for eons about Derrick Henry and how much he just destroyed me. But yes, I played corner. Uh, I played corner and safety. Uh, I couldn't. I couldn't. Yeah, I would. Five foot eight. Rob was just not not prime uh, for the pickings. I was I was. Seth, do you guys have like the uh, when you guys did film review? Did you have like a guy you would always like circle and be like, all right, we're going to attack this guy? Yes. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> the duck, the duck. I think that was the called. duck every every week. Yeah. Well, oh, I can. Lord. I'll send Seth some of my film, and we'll we'll do film review during the off season. If, if you have that Derrick Henry film, we should do that. Get on. We'll go on. We'll go on my little channel, and you can you can tell the world about what Derrick Henry did to you. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be a safe. It'll be a safe space. It'll be a safe space. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's wrap up here. We've gone on for an hour and six minutes. Uh, God bless Vito for uh, editing this. Um, so you know, when you guys listen, it'll be in your podcast podcast feeds uh, at some point tomorrow. Um, be sure to like and subscribe. We're on uh, you know iTunes, Spotify, uh, all of your favorite podcast platforms uh, because uh, Vito is good at what he does and you know does it well. And that's that's why we we have them. Uh, and then be sure to go to homefieldapparel.com. First time users, first time buyers get fifteen percent off their order site wide with the promo code Daily Stampede. Again, that is Daily D A 
I-L-Y-S-T-A-M-P-E-D-E for 15% off your order site-wide for first-time buyers. Homefieldapparel.com. Great partners. Love them. They just released Cincinnati. Uh, They're releasing Gonzaga this weekend. And as you see on your screen here, some great collection of USF gear as well. Go buy some merch, guys. It's comfortable, comfortable shirts. Yeah, if you buy enough. Maybe. Maybe. If you buy enough. Only thing better than a first release, a second release. Yep. I've always said that. So be sure to do that. Again, thanks for joining us. Thanks for all the questions, the comments. We love interacting with you guys. It's always fun. Um, you know, we'll be back uh probably probably next week for signing day. We'll do a little post signing day recap. Um, kind of discuss, you know, because then it's spring football season, baby, and we're back. We're back. Have you, have you heard anything about scheduling of spring football? Don't be ridiculous, Seth. Oh, my, my bad. I'm still waiting on uh, Trickett's contract. Yeah, I'm still waiting on Travis Trickett's contract. It took like it took mm, almost six, six weeks to get Brian Gregory's contract. Um, waiting on Bobby Bentley's. I know there's a question real quick uh, about you know the OC duties. So Trickett was just he was just straight up announced as the OC. So I don't think there's going to be any co OC. I did ask for Trickett's contract and any newer updated Bobby Bentley contract. So it'll we'll know for sure. But as of now, it's just a singular offensive coordinator. Unless I'm I, mistaken. Yeah. It, as far as what we know and everything it is, I've heard rumors that it's a co-offensive coordinator position. Um, which which is Bobby why Bentley. I asked for both. Yes. Which is why I asked for both. I'll and be going to a, I'll be going to a coach's clinic with Bobby Bentley speaking. You oh, should very ask nice. Him. When's that? March 3rd and 4th or 4th and 5th. If we haven't heard back by then, How? um, ask hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, he'll probably put it on there. On it, they usually introduce themselves with their titles at the beginning. So, yep. So I'll report back. I appreciate it. Uh, for Seth Steeg and myself, Nathan Bond, this has been another fine edition of the Bluminati Finds Relative. Uh, another edition of the Bluminati Podcast presented by Homefield Apparel. Enjoy yourself. Be safe. Stay warm at Gasparilla this week, folks. Uh, Seth, what are your tenants for Gasparilla? Um, drink a lot of water, right? I don't know. I've never been. Steve, what's your Uh, rules? Hydrate. Make sure to hydrate. Uh, Eat a good breakfast. You know, the important things. Bundle up. It's going to be cold. And uh, ignore all that and just black out. Just black out by like 935. Let's do it. Go Bulls. Go Bulls.